Hey, Girlmancers. Welcome to our second Girlmance Book Club Book of the Month podcast, where we are talking all about our second book of the month, Meet Me in Paradise by Libby Hubshire. Hey, Elsie. Hey, Sam. Hey. Hey. I feel like that hey, TikTok, hi. you know, hey, how you doing? <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm the TikTok queen. <laughs> of course I know that. Of course I know that TikTok. Every time I sign on a Zoom for like work or anything and people are like, hi, hi, hi. I'm always in my head. I'm like, hey, how y'all doing? Like walking into the room. So sus. <laughs> You're me. becoming a Gen Z. I am. I'm just trying to, you know, acclimate with the cool kids. So how was everyone's month? It's been a great book month for all of us. Yeah. I feel like I read more this month than I've read in any month of 2021 yet. I totally agree. I haven't read more books in 2021 um, than since this month. Yeah. It was a big, a big, a big good month with a lot of like, unfortunately for me, like mediocre books. Like I just feel that this month I read so much, but nothing was like it for me, which is sad. So I hope that May brings me more it vibe books, you know? Well, I'm glad to say that every single book that I've read this month has been a five. I'm really jealous. Wow. Does that make me, though, like a very easy critic? I don't or... think so. You had an amazing month, Sam. This was my biggest reading month. April was definitely my biggest reading month of 2021. It was definitely a, a mediocre month, too, even though it was the, the most books that I read. I feel like maybe because we weren't reading things that we were obsessed with, we were like constantly chasing the next book to be obsessed with it. And we just were constantly left like unsatisfied. I feel like that's why I I at least read like seven books this month because everyone, I was just like, after every single one, I was just like, okay, I need something else. Like I need to feel the good vibes. Yeah. You two were reading newer books where I was reading recommendations from the two of you. So it was very different for me. And that's why um, I had got the five star books. I got the five star three star books. We got the three star. I feel like we were just chasing the next book this month and being like, okay, there's a new book out. Need to read it. Okay, what's next? What's next? Yeah, because it was a slow start to 2021 with us for reading. So I think that as things started to pick up, we just wanted more and more. Yeah, we're trying to overcompensate now. Yeah. And with Girlmans, we just want the best for our viewers and our audience. Well, Girlmance, Girlmance is flourishing and blossoming and, and thriving and learning and growing. And, growing. <laughs> and well, all the good adjectives. All of the best adjectives. <laughs> and as we are coming, we just wrapped up two months of Girlmance. I mean, I feel like when I walk down the street, I'm like a newfound celebrity. Yeah. Do people stop you and ask you for your book <laughs> recommendations all the time? People are now Madison. People are now stopping. (laughs) People are now. I know you from somewhere. (laughs) Okay, well, girls, we have a lot to unpack today. So, our book of the month, "Meet Me in Paradise" by Libby Hubshire. What's so? What's going to be so great about this podcast is that we all have very different opinions. Whereas to our first podcast, we were all obsessed with the book. So I know that we're really going to get into it today. Okay, so let's start off with the summary on the book, Meet Me in Paradise. Ever since her journalist mother died on assignment, Marin has played it safe, refusing to set foot outside the state of Tennessee. Her wild child's younger sister, Sadie, has trotted the globe as a photographer living off of art and adrenaline. 
When Sadie returns from a tough assignment abroad and looks a little worse for wear, Marin reluctantly agrees to a sister spa weekend on the tropical island of Saba. But her lifelong fear of travel is affirmed when Sadie misses the flight, her luggage gets mixed up with another passenger's, and an episode of turbulence sends her hurtling into the lap of Lucas, the handsome stranger who stole her sister's seat. For the first time in a long time, Marin has to step outside of her comfort zone as she explores the island with Lucas and learns what she's been missing out on. With each breathtaking new experience, Marin gets closer to her real self, the man she's falling for, and the heart-wrenching truth about why she's there in the first place. Thank you, Goodreads, for that beautiful summary. (laughs) (laughs) So first, let's... As usual, let's start off with our overall thoughts on this book. So Sam, let's start with you. What were your overall thoughts? So going into reading this book, I was fully prepared. I was ready to read it from all of the reviews off of Instagram and Goodreads. I didn't let the book cover fool me. I knew that it was going to be complex, deep, emotional, and with a bit of romance. To me, this story was about beginnings, endings, and all the messiness that comes along with it, with the human aspect of it and just living life. I really liked how the story is told through the alternating points of view between Marin and Sadie, the two main characters and sisters. I loved that the pacing of the story mirrored the progression of character development for Marin. The story definitely started off a bit slow. As the angst picks up, so does the pacing. So as Marin started to take more risks and chances for Project Paradise, the book started to progress with that and started to move along quick. I just, I love the emotional journey between the two sisters, Marin and Sadie. Um, You could tell the love and care that they had for each other. I'm also a sucker for self-growth and self-discovery and positive change in real life. And so getting to see that and read that um, within a book, that made me so happy and overjoyed to get to see a character experience that. Um, I was just so caught up in Marin's world and invested in her journey. I honestly, I had nothing bad to say about this book. So Sam was obsessed with this book. Yeah, all in all. All in all. I can, um, can I just say one more thing? Of course. Okay, so of course this is a very predictable book, like a lot of these books are, but I think it needed that predictability, and we all saw it coming. Like, we all knew that – we all knew Sadie's plan all along, but that was the whole intention of – Marin's journey, you know? Right. So, the book wasn't written to be a twist at the end to leave you all shocked. That no, wasn't the like point. we knew that something else was going on in the book besides Marin's journey to find herself. We all knew that something heartbreaking and big was going to happen, even within the first 40 pages. Sadie had said that once she got the diagnosis, we all knew that there was going to be this big surprise, even though it wasn't this big surprise for us. It was a big surprise for Marin. Um, it was meant to be there. And Libby Hubscher was intentionally preparing us for the worst. For sure. sure. I think I had a contrasting opinion to Sam because I really did not love the book. Um, I fully agree 
on all accounts of how the ending was very intentional and how um, it was set up the way it was because we, they, the author wanted us to have this inside look so that when we got to the end, we kind of knew something that the main character didn't. I think that although I didn't like the story, what really I like resonated with the most and the part that I liked the most about it, besides the love story, because everyone knows I'm a sucker for a love story, is the fact that every time we were in Sadie's point of view, it was in a form of a letter. And we didn't realize that until closer to the end. So that little twist and that little surprise and that like literary technique of writing it as in her point of view, but you think it's just her current point of view. You don't realize that it's a letter to Lucas's father, to Lucas, that that part of it, like that little element of surprise was my favorite part. Um, But unfortunately for me, like I just can't handle when things are too predictable. And this book just didn't hit it for me. Like I wanted so much more out of Sadie and Lucas's relationship that fell flat. I wanted more out of Sadie's really, I mean, Lucas and Marin's relationship that fell flat. And I wanted more of Sadie and Marin's relationship that I feel like I just didn't get. And the book felt very slow at the beginning and then super rushed at the end. So for me, like the pace of it also was just a bit off, but I think that all in all, it was a great story. Like it's definitely a story worth reading, but like would I put it at the top of my TBR or like recommend it right away to somebody? No. I think if you love a story about self-discovery and self, self-growth, this is for you. For because sure. that is the main theme throughout the book. It's not a book about romance. It's a love story, but it's a love story between Sadie, who is her sister, Marin's sister, It's a love story between herself and then love and romance is basically a subplot with Lucas. Yeah, I feel like like the differentiation, again, comes from like love story versus romance book. Like it's certainly a love story, but it's not necessarily a romantic love story. No, there was no steaminess. Right. It's like loving yourself, loving your family, and then like growing and appreciating what you have and like learning that you need to prioritize yourself sometimes over other people. The the book I read before this was The Kiss Quotient. There was tons of seeminess. I didn't need that from this book. I think timing is everything. Mm-hmm. And this was meant to be the next book that I read after that book. And so it just, it fit perfectly with my current reads this month. Yeah. Mad, what did you think? Okay. So I had thoughts definitely more similar to Leanna. I really thought, okay, I think that if I didn't know, like on Instagram, everyone was saying like, have your tissues ready, be prepared. I think that I would have really not been prepared from this book just by looking at the cover, the bright colors, reading the summary. I thought that it would be way more of a contemporary romance set in a tropical location. But instead what we got was an emotional story full of grief, love, sacrifice, and a woman's journey of self-discovery. I thought personally that the book was very, very slow. And then about halfway through, that's when like the drama and angst started up a little bit. I enjoyed the scenes of Marin and Lucas falling in love. I just didn't think that they had a lot of chemistry together. But I did actually really enjoy the secondary characters. Usually I don't like the secondary characters in a book and they're more there as like a filler. But I actually really enjoyed the other characters like Ken and Felix and all of the other background characters I actually enjoyed reading about. Um, I also enjoyed the scenes with Marin and Sadie together near the end. 
bond of sisterhood is everything. But to me, I personally thought that it was just not my kind of book. It was too sad and too heavy for me. And definitely to me, it was more women's fiction than romance. There were also, I personally thought that the ending was a little bit rushed. I wanted to see more of Marin's journey and more of her growth. I found that her anxiety and all of that at the beginning, it was just way too slow. Like, but we did see that character development. I just needed, I wanted more of it at the end to see how her journey has come full circle. So I didn't love this book. I thought that Libby Hubscher as a debut author did a fantastic job. I thought the writing was excellent. And the techniques were amazing. Like it was very intentional. Every single character was there for a reason. And that was because of the writing. I actually really enjoyed the twist and turns throughout. And I do appreciate when a book has that. There were just a few elements um, that were missing for me, but it wouldn't be a top book that I would recommend, but if you're looking for a book of self-discovery and sisterhood and growth and living and learning and loving, this book <laughs> is for you. Girlmancers yeah. love that, living and learning. So there were lots of themes throughout this book, themes of self-discovery, grief and loss and death, theme of sisterhood, love, anxiety, and also the concept of time. So we're going to go into each of these themes and and we'll discuss. So I know that one of the biggest themes in this book was Marin's journey of self-discovery and her growth. Oh, that was the biggest theme throughout the book. That was basically the plot of the book. Yeah. And I think that what was really different and intentional and good about the book, which is all back credit to Libby's writing, is that it wasn't like point blank obvious that this is what the growth was. Like this is the, like it was very much intertwined in the way she spoke, the things she said, the things she thought, how she acted, that you realized how much she was growing. But it was never a point blank her character saying or thinking. It's very much like, let's show you, like, let me show you how I feel. Let me show you how I'm going to grow. Yeah. Which I feel like is a bit different than some other books where it's just like so blatantly obvious that that's what the book is going to be about. When I started the book, I didn't, realize right away that that's what it was. I thought it was going to be, okay, this girl, clearly she has some anxieties. Clearly she has some regrets, but she's going to go on this vacation and find a hot guy. That's literally what I thought the book was about. And then only when you get, when she like realizes all these mishaps happening and you realize from her inner thinking and her inner working, like how reliable she is on her sister, how, but also how she really wants her sister to rely on her, like the codependency of them. So it was all these little intricacies I feel that made it that growth or like that theme of self-growth so successful because it wasn't so blatantly obvious or shoved in your face. I think also the fact that like Libby Hubster did such an incredible, incredible job of balancing the present story and Marin's backstory because Marin's backstory was a huge part of who she was today. So when she was 17, her mom had died and that was like the biggest loss in her life. And then 10 years later, which is present day, um, this is where we were able to see how Marin had always settled for whatever life had handed her. And instead of living life the way that she wanted to. I feel like it was more that it was like, she just put everyone before her. It wasn't that she was but settling because she got into settling. the fact that I think Marin just settled into this comfortable lifestyle because look at how her mom died. Yeah. But I think, I feel like more than settling, it was just that she 
was fearful, but also she just wanted because to please of her everyone. Mom dying. But she wanted to please everyone else before her. Like she just didn't put herself first. So like it's not that she didn't even apply to these schools to not get in. She didn't apply for those things. It's that it was just the mentality of like, okay, now I'm put into this parent role. I have no other choice. This is what I have to do. I'm gonna put everyone else before me. But that's also playing it safe, right? Like mm-hmm. Marin was lucky to have a sister like like Sadie, who wanted her to live out her dreams of being a journalist or a writer. And um, obviously the story had to go that way where Sadie um, ends up having cancer in order for Marin to go through her self-discovery and for us to see that character development. Like everything was intentional, obviously. Yeah, because with Sadie living and keeping their life the way it was, she would have never had to put herself first. But the fact that now she no longer has Sadie, she only has herself to put first. I think, I personally think that this was the best theme that Libby um, did as a writer. Like, I think that watching Marin's journey was my favorite part. Just having Libby do such a great job. And I know that it started off really slow with... Marin's self-discovery and trying new things and and growing. I personally thought that that was my favorite part reading about the book, even though it was really slow. I actually got to see that character development and I and I really appreciate character development in any story that I read, whether it be a romance or women's fiction. I thought that she did such a fantastic job. Oh, I totally agree. At the very beginning of the book when I was reading about Marin's anxiety, that was making me anxious. And so from the beginning of the book, seeing her be so practical and uptight and just calculated and having that anxiety, that like made me so sad for her. And then going throughout the book, you could see that development. And I, that was my favorite part too. I, I related to that so much because it's so hard taking a risk and putting yourself first, especially when you are a people pleaser, when you want to put other people before yourself, it's hard to see that for yourself. Well, I feel like another really like interesting part of Marin's character and the whole idea of self-growth growth is that she came with a lot of baggage, like emotional baggage and just like responsibility and resentment. And going on this trip, she was like stressed out obviously. And she didn't want to be left alone without her sister. And she had never done anything one for herself or two by herself. And I feel like the little like Easter eggy kind of best part of this book that I've been like wanting to discuss. And I'm really excited to talk about it now is the first like mishap obviously is that Lucas gets on the plane and he's in her sister's seat. So she's like, okay, where's my sister? But she just chalks it up to the fact that like, okay, her sister wasn't missing. Her sister was missing boarding. They sold the ticket to somebody else. But then the next thing that happens is the suitcases get swapped. And now she's now left without her baggage. Like quite literally, she's now going on this trip, leaving her baggage behind. Like physically her, what she brought with her is no longer coming with her to the island, which I feel was intentional and really, really smart, but still really, really subtle. And I think that that really catapulted this whole self-growth thing because she's literally coming onto this island with nothing but the clothes on her back. I I also yeah. just think like that just makes Marin even more appealing, her being naive. Yeah. Her naivete. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I thought that it was very relatable. You know, just if you're an anxious flyer or a nervous flyer or 
you know, traveling somewhere on your own and <laughs> someone running late, like all of those things. I'm like, okay, this could actually happen. It's very relatable. I actually felt, I was, I felt very sad for Marin when I was reading the story. When it came to the end, I... You're full I, on rooting for her. Yeah, like fully rooting for her, so happy for her because I actually like felt those inner... That's a thing. It's, it's a weird feeling, the end of the book, because you're so sad, but you're also so relieved. Exactly. No, it's but that's why the ending combo. of the book is so satisfying. When yeah. do you ever get a character who evolves so much within 330 pages? That never happens. I feel like at least one character makes one bad choice and you're so frustrated with them. Marin could do no wrong in this book. She started off as this like naive girl and she made it to the end going to Italy by herself. She didn't go there for anyone else but herself and also, I guess, to live out her sister's wishes for her and realizing that she was honoring her sister's legacy. And I thought that was written so well in the story. Like I, I wasn't like, oh, okay. Like we know she's going to do this or this is predictable. Like, yes, there were those, there were those predictable elements to the story, but it was just written so well that I was rooting for her. And she did have such a growth in 300 pages where, whereas in the last chapter, that was my, that was my favorite chapter of the book, just because I was so relieved and thrilled for her. I, that's why though, I wanted a little bit more to just maybe an epilogue or something. Just an epilogue see, would have been would the have been perfect addition. Just to see even a year later, just to see how she's doing or living with Lucas or what their lives are like or where they're traveling or living. Or, what is going on in Marin's life? Yeah. We needed Do that. we know if this book is a standalone? Like maybe there's another one coming out. No. There could be a sequel and I think we need that. Erin is such an interesting character where you just want more and more. You're so intrigued by this one girl who is now just experiencing life as she turns 27. But isn't it so crazy that she literally comes off intentionally as like the most type A, boring, cookie cutter, non-dimensional person. And yet the entire book, you're like, what's she going to do next? She turns so intriguing so quickly. Oh, 100%. I've never been so interested in a character's journey throughout a book and I think she's the only main character in this entire book like Sadie yes is a main character but like she's only there for Marin we aren't even introduced to Sadie until she comes to Saba even though we get those chapters from her they are so short but it's like the perfect format Yes. Or the book. And, I think, and even with Lucas, he was also a secondary character. This was about Marin. She was the main character, even though I don't think she was the main character in her own life. I think that Sadie was the main character in, in her life. But I think that when we got to read this story, Marin got to finally shine and be that main character that she deserved to be. Yeah, she was the star of she the entire star. book. Well, moving on to our next theme, there was a lot of grief, loss, and the theme of death throughout this book. It was extremely heavy, extremely emotional. Did you guys cry when you were reading it? Okay, so I didn't cry until we learned about cancer with Sadie. That is when I was up until like 2 a.m. at night reading about this, crying in my bed on my pillow. It was really sad, but I think it was a great way to fall asleep. I was ready to go to sleep. 
It was a great way to to fall asleep, just bawling your eyes out. You know when you just need let a it good all cry. out, honey. No, but you know when you need a good cry, no, and, and then you, you just don't exhaust want it, yourself. You don't, you don't need it to be about yourself because, like, I'm in a good place. But like, I need to like read about someone who's going through such a hard time, and I need to see them go through that and get through that. Honestly, I didn't cry as much as I thought I would, just because everyone had said, get your tissues ready, be prepared. There's tons. And so that hype up of the emotional aspects of this book really made me less emotional almost. You know what I mean? I it was agree. so hyped up. It was so hyped up and like, be prepared, get tissues, get ready to cry. So I was reading all of these. I didn't read full reviews on the book, but just all of these things to be prepared. And it was so hyped up everywhere. And I actually did end up seeing a spoiler about cancer before I read it. So I was just waiting for that to happen. And then in the first chapter, when Marin was like, yeah, Sadie was looking a little thin or she wasn't really eating. I'm like, it's because she has cancer. And I was like, I knew it was going to, I knew it was going to happen. So I was waiting for it, but then it was just how it was written. It was just kind of dropped out of nowhere. And I was taken aback by it. Oh, it was like a bomb. It it was literally like a bomb dropped. And that line when it said, when, when Sadie died and it said, and then she never (gasps) woke up. I, That was. I knew though that it was coming because exactly like Libby explained in the book, it's a known thing that people, when they're at their end of their life, they get this like big burst of energy. And people say that it could be like a 10 minute burst of energy, it could be an hour, it could be a day. So when she had that really good day, that big burst of energy, and she even, and Marin even said like she ate, I was like, this is it. This is her last. Yeah, I was expecting it. But yeah, I didn't cry. I I didn't like my eyes never even watered, which is shocking because everything makes me cry. But I think that because two things, I feel like one, the way it was written was that yes, it was sad, but it was also just like, it had to be, it was very like at peace. I felt like it was intentional and this is how it had to be in that. It was sad because obviously Myron was now one losing her sister, but also kind of losing her way and like had to figure out now what her next move was going to be for herself. But it also felt very like a relief again, like Sadie was always a responsibility for Marin. It was always a priority for Marin. And now it's like, she's no longer in pain and Marin can now focus on herself. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of just like a thing that had to happen. And for that reason, I didn't cry, but I understand how people say like, oh my God, I needed to cry. Like I, I had tissues. I cried so much. Like I get it. It just, for me. It didn't hit me like that. Totally see where you're coming from. Like at the very end, once Sadie did die, she accepted it. But I think throughout the entire book and since her mom had died, she was still going through the stages of grief. She had never gone through that acceptance and hope. And that's why she was never able to live her own life. And right. once Sadie had died, that's where we saw hope for Marin. And that's yeah. where we saw hope, and, sorry, not hope, but acceptance for Marin to live her life and realize that she needs to live this to honor her sister's life and to live her life and to meet those goals that her sister and her, and her mom would have wanted her to live. Because she like never grieved her mom, which I is mean, also she why. Never she grieved she never her grieved. mom. Or she was in the grieving stage for like 10 years and then when this happened with she Sadie, was like in a numbing feeling exactly like she was in a phase for like 10 years so then we knew that this was going to happen with Sadie when I was reading it I was thinking okay when is it going to happen we know it's coming we know it's coming so I think that also that's why I didn't cry like my eyes watered when I was reading it but 
I was just waiting for it to happen. And then again, it was that almost relief because I feel that Marin accepted it. Like she was a lot older when it happened. She was a teenager when her mom died. So there was that, that hope and acceptance and relief. So I feel kind of like it was that sense that as a reader, we were also reading that too, along with Marin. Like it was the same feelings. Yeah, I totally agree. She needed to go through that acceptance once Sadie had died. She, she never had that time to accept it because she was always taking care of her sister and always felt that she had to take care of her sister. Exactly. Yeah. And I, and again, I, with Libby's writing, I think that like I personally didn't know that when someone is close to death, they can have that burst of energy. So I was like, wow, she had such a great day. Okay, like there's still... A lot, uh, there's still about almost like a hundred pages left in the book. So, so maybe something, maybe there'll be another twist. So she was keeping me on my toes. That's why I was so in shock when it said, and then she never woke up. So again, with Libby's writing, like writing about death and grief and loss, I thought she did a fantastic job. I agree. I had no idea that that's how death played out, like with cancer. Um, I think that I had to reread the page because I didn't, it was so subtle. I was taken aback. I had no idea that that was coming. And I agree like with Madison that there were a hundred pages left. I honestly, I thought the rest of the book was going to be with Sadie and Marin. Mm -hmm. So I loved the subtlety of that because Marin had accepted it at that point that it was bound to happen and Sadie had accepted it. So, and the readers at that point knew it was coming. So I think it was the perfect moment. If not like there could be a perfect moment, but it was meant to happen at that time. Exactly. I completely agree. Um, well, the bond of sisterhood <laughs> is everything. It is everything. It is everything. And throughout this book, we were able to, even though Marin was the main character and Marin was traveling on her own, we were also able to hear the perspective of Sadie, her younger sister, and get to know her a little bit more. I thought Sadie having that one page here and there with her perspective, I thought that was so interesting. And I don't even know the last book I read where it was something like that. And again, with the twist and turns that it was Sadie actually writing a letter, that was another moment that I was like, oh, whoa, I did not see that coming. I didn't see that either. I didn't Me either. Yeah. So I thought that was done really well. But let's discuss Marin and Sadie's relationship since um, they found out that their mom died when they were teenagers. It was obviously, again, less like dependent, but also like codependency, I guess is what you would call mm-hmm. it. Like as much as Marin really felt that she was taking care of Sadie, it became very obvious through her like inner thinkings and how the book ended that Sadie really took care of Marin too. And it was very much like a give and take relationship. And there's like no bond, like a sister bond, honestly. And I just feel like that was just a very, it was a beautiful love story within a book that had multiple love stories well, I think that yeah. I think that the theme of sisterhood, like their relationship, the romance aspect, took a back seat because it was more about their relationship and their bond. Yeah, and yeah, this, I, the love of sisters. I don't, again, that's why to me it was more of like a women's fiction story than a romance or a love story. But you guys both have sisters, but you feel like my sisters. 
every day. Aww. <laughs> so cute. you feel like my sisters too at this point. You feel like my sisters too. Honestly, this took this book taught me that sisterhood is an unbreakable force. You don't even realize it because your siblings are people that you grow up with. But for me, me and my sister, like the way that they would drive each other crazy, but then they can also love each other madly at the same time. And the fact that they would do anything for each other mm-hmm. and where they were both able to be so honest with each other and then try to push each other away can be harsh at times. You know, it's out of love. Like Mm -hmm. me and my sister do that too. Like where I will tell her something and she will tell me something. And of course, in the moment, I'll be so mad at it, but it's out of love that you just want to try and help your sister. Yeah. Well, also Sam, like I thought Marin and Sadie, obviously they were complete opposites and had very different personalities. I also think that the same with you and your sister (laughs) as well. Even though Sam is the young, even though Sam is the younger sister, um, just like your relationship too, like taking care of each other and also like the push and pull. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As much as we are different, me and my sister, we are so similar and have those like connections that will tie us together for life. Mm -hmm. And so painful and selfless, the sacrifices that they made for each other. But it's also, it brings you so much joy knowing that they had each other, especially after their mom died. It was just so powerful, the love that they had for each other. Yeah. Well, what was a little frustrating to me was that Marin always thought that she had to take care of Sadie and, you know, throughout the book, oh, what's Sadie going to do? And it was say, oh, maybe say, of course, Sadie must be in trouble again. Like, I actually think that she didn't give Sadie the benefit of the doubt sometimes when she should have. Like, she, I feel like sometimes Sadie was the one that was actually taking care of, of Marin and Marin just didn't even realize. Like, For she- sure. I feel like it's just, it comes back to the fact that, like they lost their mom young and she mm-hmm. automatically felt that she needed to fill that maternal void. So she constantly was worried about Sadie and like considered Sadie almost like a daughter, even though she was her sister. Like she was always looking out for her in that way. And Sadie was looking out for Marin in a completely different way, but I don't think any less or anymore. Like I think it was a very much an equal love relationship Mm -hmm. was unconditional love just demonstrated in completely different ways. Yeah. And you just assume that Marin took more care of Sadie just because Marin was more grounded and was in such a safe place. And Sadie, on the other hand, was living her life and going from country it's also to country. Perspective. Like the it's book all is perspective. told from Marin's side. So if Sadie was telling the whole story, like Sadie maybe could have told a million other anecdotes of how she tried to push Marin and make Marin be the best person she could be. Like you only hear it from one side of the story and the only taste of Sadie you get is through Which these is- few letters and that was intentional yeah Mm -hmm. which is which is why i love that we had those little snippets of sadie's Mm -hmm. view and then it ended up being that sadie planned this whole trip and knew exactly what she was doing and how to help marin in any way whether it was you know sending bringing ted or setting up everything with lucas like everything was set up and done because she just she knows her sister so well and what what she needs at this time yeah and out of love yeah out of love Speaking of love, our next theme is the love story between Hottie Lucas and Marin. Hottie so, with the body. 
when I was when I was reading this book <laughs> at the beginning, like I knew there was something up with Lucas. I was like, why is he so obsessed with Marin knocking on her door every morning, being like, we're doing this excursion, we're going here, we're going snorkeling. But I was wondering why he was so obsessed with her. So I knew that something was up. But I personally, I just needed more from Lucas and Marin. I needed more chemistry. I liked their conversations that they had, but there, there just wasn't, it didn't go deep enough for me, but I also didn't like Ted. So I don't I think know. it was meant to go deep though. It wasn't meant to be yeah. the steamy scenes of Lucas and Marin. Like it was a very gentle and reflective romantic element. It was just um, like, like the night of the wedding. I want, I was like, okay, maybe something's going to happen again. Mm -hmm. Like she's sleeping over at his place. And then it's like, he turned off the lights. I was so annoyed. Yeah. But I don't think Marin was at that place in her life that she was ready to find that love. You know what I mean? She needed to experience more like, and I realize. Get, I get that. But also it's just like, if you're going to have a romance in a book, mm -hmm. like I get that this is the, the bigger story is supposed to be the love story between the two sisters. But like, if you're going to have a romantic love in this book, you got to give something. Like I just felt it was too vanilla. It was too... Yeah. It was almost unrealistic, honestly. Like, you would think that they've done all these very intimate, big things together. They've gone diving. They've done all these things. He's pushed her out of her comfort zone, regardless of the motive. Like, you would think that then they would have built that, like, rapport or chemistry. You would feel it. But it was just very much, like, I don't know. It wasn't there. It wasn't believable No, but that's me. why Lucas was there. He was an intentional character to act as someone who helped Marin push her forward right. in her life. His intention in the book was not there for love. His purpose was to be literally Sadie Standen because she couldn't physically force yeah. Marin to do these things. Oh, and that's she had him do it. Right. That's exactly but, why it was a sub story, though, because yeah, because Marin was able to go through that journey that she didn't realize that she also needed to. Like, no, she needed sure. this partner that she didn't even realize that Sadie had Felix in her life. Yeah. She didn't realize what she was missing. And right. that aspect I, I get that it was definitely intentionally a B plot. I'm just saying that it wasn't enough of if it's going to be a B, B plot, commit to it being a B plot. And there wasn't enough to make it believable, in my opinion. As I don't even think it was a B plot. I think it was like a D plot. I <laughs> if that's a thing. I a honestly, I think that it was all about grief and sisterhood and self discovery and then love. And I don't think Marin could have gone through love when she hadn't even like done things for herself yet. Like when you don't live the, your life for yourself, how can you fall in love? For hundred percent. I just, I felt reading it. Like if I was in that position, yes. I had gone through this entire thing. I can't imagine be like being in her position and having a relationship, a romantic relationship look like that. Like to me, that's just not realistic and that isn't what it would look like. And for, that's one of the reasons why I didn't love this book. Like to me, I loved the sister bond. I loved the growth. I loved the learning how to grieve, prioritizing yourself, doing things that are good for you. But if you're going to add an element of romance to a book, commit to it. And I felt like it was non-committal. I just think that it was so true to the genre, like women's fiction, not romance, because we saw with her old flame Ted who shows up to play a role in Marin's life as a safe choice for her and fills that comfortable void. He's there to make her realize what she truly wants her life to look like going forward. And then we have this new man, Lucas, who could be in Marin's future. And we have, so we have this safety in comfort zone versus this 
push and this, this adventure that she could live with, with Lucas. (laughs) Ultimately in the end, she chooses herself and that's what the genre was. It was her choice to live bravely, boldly, authentically. She finds her heart's choice, which was herself. Yeah. It's also interesting though, the whole Ted element of it is like Sadie brought Ted onto the island. Sadie brought Lucas into Marin's life. So like as much agency we want, like as much that we want to think Marin has agency and she's making decisions for herself. Ultimately, Sadie's totally the puppet master of Marin's life, regardless of what anyone says. She put Sadie on this path. She made Sadie make these choices. Like as much as Marin sure grew and actually executed and bit the bullet and followed through with the decisions she made and the choices she made, it was fully Sadie that was setting it all up for her and giving her option A, option B, option C, do what you want with it, which is interesting. But it's so interesting, but doesn't that just make you think about life in general, how Mm -hmm. different situations in your own life, that is what catapults you into making a decision for yourself and what makes you take a risk and take a chance because you realize that someone else is doing something that you want for yourself. A hundred percent. And I do also think that Ted was there, like Ted actually helped the plot move forward, whether we like Ted or not. Like he was there to help her realize that she wanted something new and a new adventure and didn't want to just go back to the way that things were before. So um, while I didn't like Ted's character i thought that he helped drive the and move the plot forward but that's why like with lucas i just feel that it needed a little a little bit more like i think this book is categorized as a romance book so i think that it was really also lacking in that in that area like if what liana said if you're gonna do it whether it's a d plot an f plot whatever it Mm -hmm. may be then just commit to it like i i then thought that it was just unrealistic yeah. Yeah. Commit full force. Commit I, full I totally force. see where you two are coming from. I think it's just about timing when you read this book mm-hmm. and it was my time. It was. <laughs> it was your time. And I, and because you were coming off like something hot and steamy. The so steamiest book. It I, didn't, I didn't need steam from this book because I had it so much in my last book. Yeah. Well, I mean, speaking of time, like we are still in quarantine. It is still COVID in Ontario. Um, I, I found that I could relate to this book a little bit more just because, you know, we wanted that getaway and to go to Mm -hmm. a tropical paradise so badly. So I think timing, like what we've said, timing is everything. When we're reading the book, what's going on in our lives when we're reading the book, that affects what we ultimately feel about the book. Yeah. Yeah. This book is all about time slipping away and learning to take advantage of that precious time when you don't even realize you need it. With Sadie and Marin, Marin never even realized what she was missing in her life until she realized that her sister was dying. Timing was just ultimately what made Marin's self-discovery progress also. She would have never have taken those chances um, if she wasn't at the on the island, which was also all about timing. And then if she didn't, if Sadie didn't come to the island and it's about living our best lives for ourselves and our loved ones that didn't get that time and honoring those by not letting ourselves get caught up in our lives around us. The ultimate factor leading to Marin realizing that she needed that time was when she learned about Sadie. 
Well, even like thinking about the setting of this book in the Caribbean, um, were you not? I was totally picturing like forgetting Sarah Marshall vibes. Like same, the exactly. Same, exactly. <laughs> setting. I don't the know why. In the lobby, like that's just what I was yeah. picturing the whole time. Even all the excursions, what they did, the karaoke, everything. I was like, okay, this is forgetting Sarah Marshall. Forgetting Sarah Marshall was like the perfect setting. Maybe just because we lived setting. that through a movie. Um, and also like who doesn't want to go onto a plane and have a hot guy next to them and have that whole meet cute. Like that's yeah. my fantasy. That's my dream living out in a book. Yeah. It's a good meet cute for sure. Oh, a great meet, meet cute. How did you feel when you realized that, you know, that Lucas wasn't just obsessed with Marin, like he was living out, um, he was living out uh, Sadie and even his dad's dream of like what he had to do. Like, how did you feel when we found out that they were just letters to Lucas? Oh, I didn't feel duped or anything at all because I knew that Lucas had something to do with the whole thing. I, there was no way. Why was he so obsessed with Sadie? Or sorry, not Sadie, Marin. And when they called her the VIP, I was like, hey, this is all set up. There's something fishy. You're staying in this fancy villa. You don't need to pay for it. It's all I'll give you a ride to Saba. (laughs) Get on my boat. I was like, I would be barfing off the side of that goddamn boat. And I'll give you my jacket. Jacket. (laughs) It's like the nicest thing ever, but no stranger does that. But he's also life. like a genuinely good guy. Everyone mm-hmm. loved him on the island. So, and they had constantly person. given her that reassurance that they, he was a good guy. Like Ken and Laurentina. I, I wasn't, yeah, like I wasn't annoyed when I found out and been like, Lucas, you should have said something because I don't think it was for him to say. Yeah. And so I wasn't like, oh, this wasn't real. Like, whereas I think if I were in Marin's shoes, I would be like, hey, he clearly never even liked me or wanted anything to do with me. It was just something that he had to do. So I would be feeling how Marin was feeling, but I wasn't like, oh, this is going to change or impact the book. Like I still wanted them to be together. Mm -hmm. And we also knew though that Lucas and Sadie had this plan, but I think deep down we knew that Lucas went further than he needed to go for the turn, right? As a reader, you always know more than the main character. Yeah. It was obvious that there was an attraction that they liked each other. I just wish there was more of it. I just Mm -hmm. wish there was more of it. Also, Lucas was just very reserved as a person. And also, we didn't even know that his dad had just recently died. We thought it was months before. Mm -hmm. So it made sense going in to like trying to figure out why they weren't progressing with their love earlier like I get why he didn't tell a girl that he just met that his dad just died but she was telling him a lot more than he was giving her so when we found that out when she found that out she she was like oh I didn't know that this just happened or I didn't know that he owned the resort and so she was kind of learning a lot more about him so I get kind of why she was felt betrayed when she found out everything with Sadie. No, and it makes sense why he now it makes sense why he exactly, but it all makes acting sense the way why. he was acting. Exactly. Okay, guys, it is time to do our Hollywood treatment. Who do you see as Marin, Sadie, and Lucas? Sam, who did you see? Okay, so for Marin, I saw Anna Kendrick. 
throughout the book, that is the only person who I pictured. Specifically, her character from the movie A Simple Favor, if you know, if you both have seen it, mm-hmm. she seems like she could play a very timid, uptight, controlling, very practical and safe character who you just want to see let loose and live life on the edge. <laughs> I love Anna Kendrick as a choice. I saw Emmy Rossum as Marin. I just like the brunette hair. For some reason, she just appeared when I was reading. And also when I think of her in Shameless, again, like the uptight motherly role, that's, yeah. that's who yes. it is. Yeah. I saw Alexis Bledel and she came to me kind of late, later than the rest of the characters. But like what toggled my memory and like what made me make this connection is her and the sisterhood of the traveling pants when she's like really reserved. And then like Costas is like teaching her all these things on the Greek islands. And I'm like, Kate, she is literally Marin, like uptight, nervous, but like she has this like hot, like international guy taking her around the island. I was like, this is literally the same plot. Like this is the same story, like character to a T. So that's what I saw. And then I couldn't get it out of my head. For my Hollywood treatment for Sadie, I saw Blake Lively originally, and it was specifically her character from that movie. But thinking about it more, I thought Emma Roberts really embodied Sadie so well. She played, she's played so many diverse characters, and she just seems like she could be this carefree spirit, Um, and she sort of looks like Anna Kendrick. They do look alike. Yeah, they could be like sisters. Yeah, right. Um, I also saw Blake Lively. I think Sadie for me was the hardest to um, picture, like because I didn't, we didn't really know her. She was just tidbits here and there throughout the book. So it didn't take me until like I was halfway through the book for me to see. I saw I saw Blake Lively, and it was based on our sisterhood of the traveling pants role, just like carefree, young and wild and free, living yeah. life <laughs> to the fullest. So that's who I saw. The thing that threw me off was like the curly, curly hair. So I'm like, I guess I could see Blake with curly hair, but that's who I saw for Sadie. Leanna, who did you see? I saw Juno Temple as Sadie from like the get-go. And I've seen a few movies she's been in. She's an indie actress from the UK, but most recently she was in Ted Lasso. Mm -hmm. And her character in Ted Lasso was just like this wild girl who's just like going after every opportunity, like doesn't really care, has like her boyfriend's cheating on her. She doesn't care. She's going to like go run and go to a bar. Like she's just fun. (laughs) And she has that like wiry, curly blonde hair. So, and she's like so petite. Like I just picture Sadie like so petite and frail because it keeps saying that she's so skinny and not eating and Anyway, so I just saw Juno Temple right away. And then like throughout the entire book, it was always Juno Temple. It it didn't take long for her to come to me. And she stuck with me the whole way through. I love when you just see one person or one one actor and you're just like, I need this to become a movie. I know. Yes. Okay. Let's talk about the heartthrob. The heartthrob. Okay, so my Hollywood treatment for Lucas is very is different than yours. I saw Ross Butler. He was in 13 Reasons Why. He was the OG Reggie in Riverdale. <laughs> for like one minute. Shout out to the OG second. Reggie. But that's who I saw, just like tall, um, muscular. I just that's that's just who I saw the whole time. Can't convince me otherwise, needs to be Ross Butler in the movie. Well, Sam I and I thought, had the same one. Yeah, we had the same Sam one. and Anna both have the same guy. And there's a reason why we see the same guy. Without a doubt, Charles Melton 
was Lucas. Yes. He seems like this mysterious and reserved guy, but also confident and sexy. And that's Lucas to a T. I feel like did you see the movie um, The Sun is Also a Star? No, but I need to watch it now. Okay, read the book and then watch it. The book is amazing too. So I started watching interviews with Charles Melton just from reading this book. I don't know why, but like, I feel like he normally plays like a bad boy, but he seems like a guy who he knows what he wants. He goes for it and need to watch just like a fun guy. He's so good in that movie. He is just like literal, like book boyfriend, movie boyfriend goals. You will love the movie. Both of you will love it reason even though charles melton and ross butler i think are around the same age or if not the same age, they are they are charles melton just seems so young to me for some reason riverdale i don't i think it's riverdale but ross butler is also in high school and 13 reasons why but he just seems a lot older he just seems more put together yeah butler and they're literally both 30 I they know. Are. I just yeah. Charles Melton. Melton I, I could have sworn he was like twenty five. Same. I thought. But was I think like it's age. more that he was dating Camila Mendez from Maybe. Riverdale, and all of those girls are in their earlier twenties. I don't know. Anyway, he like was a really good pick for Lucas. I saw him through and through. What's amazing is that we actually spoke to Libby Hubscher and she gave us her Hollywood treatment. So this is who she saw. She saw um, Mandy Moore as Marin. Emma Stone with blonde hair, obviously, for Sadie and Eddie Pang for Lucas. Yeah, Eddie Pang is good too. Eddie Pang is good too. Mandy Moore, I'm thinking like Mandy Moore like 10 years ago. Yeah, like how to deal stage yeah. of her life right <laughs> but how to deal she had like the short nothing the short hair. hair but the beginning of the movie she has long hair but then she like oh, yeah. rebels and leaves home and everything oh, such, <laughs> i love that movie so yeah. much i love mandy moore she is a like you think of like a walk to remember and then how to deal and yeah. she can play both i yeah. just think yeah. this is us but I, right. I but emma stone with blonde hair i see that and eddie peng also great choice so yeah we, yeah. Hope that, we hope that one day this book can be translated to the big screen yeah so speaking of stars let's give each of our overall star rating of this book hmm. okay liana what is your star rating i'm gonna give it a 3.3 because it's not quite a three, but it's not quite a three and a half. So we're going to let her sit at a 3.3. 3.3. Very specific. Love it. Sam, what is your star rating? So at first I was going to give this book a 4.5 stars because I really liked it, but it wouldn't be a book that I would choose to reread. But then I thought, a five-star doesn't have to be a book that I reread. So after reflecting and gathering my thoughts for this podcast, I realized how much I adored this story and I'm giving it, I'm, I have to give it a five stars. Everything about it from the journey of Marin's self-discovery to the bonds of sisterhood. <laughs> <laughs> there was such a great balance from where Marin started off in the book to where she ended up It was so extremely satisfying to see her journey and how much she evolved from her being this anxious girl at the beginning of the book to taking chances and living her life to its fullest at the very end. It was so satisfying. We love a journey at Girlmance. (laughs) Um, I think for me, this was a book that I really 
didn't reflect so much when I finished it. And usually like that's a clue to me to that it's not going to be a five star or even a four and a half. Like I, I haven't, I, I haven't been thinking about it since I finished reading it, but I do love a story of self-discovery and growth. So for me, Hmm, I like Eliana was super specific. (laughs) It's going to be like a 3.8 for me, not like almost four stars, not three stars. It's just in the middle. Like I, I loved Marin's story and that she finally got to be the main character of her own story. But there were just other things that were really lacking for me. It just wouldn't be a story that I would choose to read again. Like, I don't think I will ever come back and reread this book. I also don't think it would be a book that I would recommend someone else looking for a story unless they were looking for something super emotional and heavy and about grief or loss or death. So that's why it's going to be a 3.8 for me. But I love that we all had very different opinions on this book. It it caters to a very wide range of readers. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Something for everybody in it. It just depends what kind of book you're looking to read. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's just the timing of when you read it. And maybe you are someone that can relate to Marin or Sadie or Lucas. And you need something like this in your life. But a big shout out to Libby Hubscher for her debut novel, the writing was fantastic. It kept us on our toes. There were twists and turns. And while we discussed that there were some predictable moments, there were also some moments that really did take us aback. And so I think that she did a fantastic job. Um, now, because this is the end of April and we are wrapping up, this is the last book that we are all reading in April. We are looking forward to May reading some more books and also discussing what our new book of the month is going to be for May. We have lots of choices and we are so excited for what May has to offer. Yes, I'm so excited for May reads, especially just reading my next book after Meet Me in Paradise, um, which I'm still trying to figure out what to read next because I still, I'm, I'm still thinking about this book. I know you guys aren't, you're ready to move on, (laughs) but, um, I'm excited for May. There's a lot of great books coming out. There's some good books coming out from some of our favorite authors. Yeah, it'll be a good month. My TBR, once again, will be overflowed and I will not be able to catch up. I'm just like, it is what it is at this point. So little time, so many books. Yes. Well, girls, April 2021 was our biggest month of reading. Way to go. I know that May is going to be even bigger. There's lots more. And we thank you to everyone for listening to our second podcast of Girl Mance Book Club, Meet Me in Paradise. So thank you so much, everybody, for listening to another episode of Girl Mance Book Club, the podcast. This was a very fun episode. I'm very much looking forward to next month to figure out what we're going to read and what we're going to talk about. But if you could please write us five stars on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, we would love you forever. And make sure you're following us on Instagram at Girl Mance Book Club and leave us a comment. Let us know what else you want us to talk about next month. If you have a book recommendation, don't forget to share with your friends and family. And I think that's all she wrote. I think that's all she wrote. Yeah. Okay. See you next month. Bye from Girl Mance. Bye. Bye, guys. Thanks. Thank you.